Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult, number 11, Christian Science. It's not Christian and... It's not science. What's the tagline? Not even close. And we've been seeing that evidence for many weeks now. We took a look. Basically, the first three studies, we've been dealing with the issue of the history. And then last time, we got into the issue. Well, well hey, that's a pretty bold statement. It's not science. It's not Christian. It's not even close. And it's a cult. Well, it's not just our words. We're taking a look at the definition of the cult. How do you know when you're involved in a cult? How do you know when you're following a cult leader? How do you know when you're following anti-anti-Christian, anti-biblical cultic teachings? Well, it's one of five things, okay? And last time we only got through the first one. How do you know in your cult? They always get it wrong when it comes to this issue. And that is the source of what? The source of authority. What's our source of authority? The Bible and a whole bunch of other stuff. No, no, the Bible and your opinion. No, the Bible and what the person next to you thinks. No, the Bible and even what your pastor thinks. No, the Bible alone, period, right? That's authority. Now, anytime somebody says, oh, I believe in the Bible, oh, I follow the Bible, and then they insert these words, remember, but, or, and plus, and, add some conjunctions in there. Remember that song? What's your... Function. Yeah, that's right. Schoolhouse Rock. The spirit of Schoolhouse Rock is all over Bobby. Pray for him. That's right. But anytime that somebody says that, you're not following the Bible. And that's what the cults do. They say they give lip service to the scripture, but they don't really follow the scripture. And so it is when it comes to Christian science. They are actually following the false teachings of a lady named Mary Baker Eddy, as we've been seeing. Okay, she wasn't a baker and... None of her husbands were named Eddie. You guys are catching on, okay? Now, we've already dealt with that uh, issue, this uh, source of authority. Their source of authority, of course, is her big writing that she came out with there, the uh, science and health with the key to the scripture. Remember what the phrase was there? The key to scriptures. You had to get her book. It was the key to unlock what the Bible's really saying. Now, everybody else, including us, have had it wrong this whole time. That's a pretty bold statement, okay? Which basically means that becomes the filter in order to even understand the Bible. Well, that, what's that mean? You put her writing, what? Above the Bible. You're not following the Bible. And even when they say they follow the Bible, they don't. As we saw, they completely twist it. They make it up and all that stuff. So that's just the first sign. And Christian science follows it. That's why it's not Christian. It's not science. Not even close. You're in a cult. Okay. Now, the second one we saw, how do you know you're involved in a cult? Well, they're always going to get wrong. The nature of God. And that would also include the issue of the Trinity. Always seems to choke on that. Okay, but why is that a shocker? In fact, we're going to, Lord willing, if we get that far, we'll go into the person and work of Jesus Christ, the nature of man, and the means of salvation. The five common things for the sign you're involved in the cult. Well, why? Well, it's because the first one. You get the first one wrong, it all goes downhill. You're always going to end up with the warped view of God and Jesus and man and salvation. Okay, let's take a look at that in your workbook. The nature of God, right? Mary Baker Eddy taught that God is incorporeal, divine, supreme, infinite mind. Notice the capital M there, right? Spirit, soul, principle, life, truth, and love. Just keep going. You might as well just make it up because that's what she's doing, right? Because it's not biblically based on her meaning with the terms there. These are synonymous terms that refer to what she called the one absolute God. They're also intended to express the nature, essence, and wholeness of deity, okay? The attributes of God, she says, are justice, mercy, wisdom, goodness, and so on. And again, what we are quoting there, as you can see there, science and health, the key of the scriptures. Now, to the Christian science, God is what? On top of that. What's the phrase there? God, what? M Father, mother, right? Now, how many guys have heard that? 
That is everywhere. We're going to dive into that in just a little bit, okay? And I'm going to expose how unbiblical that is, okay? And where it's coming from. But that's one of the things that she promoted, okay? And still does today. That this father-mother principle of God, okay? And that's even crept into churches today. It's also known, uh, is a principle known as the divine mind. Is your blank there? Mind is your blank there with a capital M. Capital D for divine, capital M, mind, okay? And she says it, notice it, all right, has no personhood and no personality. That's not God. It's not God of the Bible. Okay, and I'll get into that in a second. A catchphrase used in their literature is that God is all in all, right? And now you're getting into what's called pantheism, okay? Pantheism, theism, of course, God, pan meaning all, all is God, right? That God is all in all. That's a pagan belief. We'll get to it in a second. In other words, God is all that exists. And listen, what we perceive as matter, listen, is an interpretation of the divine mind. It's not real, right? Okay, we're going to expose that in a little bit uh, if we can get that far. Now, since she says God is love, now notice that she's making this up. And who makes you the arbitrator, right? You're just whipping out these terms. You believe that God is father, mother. You believe that God is divine mind. And you believe that God is love. What you're going to notice is she cherry picks. She cherry picks her understanding of God. Well, God, you're not going to see that he's a God of wrath, but the Bible talks about that. The God is the ultimate justice, the supreme judge. She ain't going to see that. And so she's not even being honest, right? She's cherry picking. Churches do that today. People do that today. And any time that you focus on only one facet of God and you leave out other facets of God, that is what's called an idol because it's a false god it's not the god of the bible right but that's what she says since god is love and here's her rationale that everything matter is an illusion since god is love it means that sin and sickness are only errors of interpreting the divine mind and have no true reality and that's the basis of when you come to them. We're going to see this word one in Scientology as well. The basis, the reason why things are going wrong in your life, the reason why things are negative in your life, the reason why you're experiencing all these hard things is because you just are thinking about it wrong. And you need to tap in with the divine mind. And all that stuff is an illusion, right? All the sin that you're uh, experiencing, that's not even really sin. Even death, we're going to say, she said, was an illusion. And all this sickness and all this stuff, it's just, it's error in your thinking. So if you could just get your thinking straight, according to her teachings and this divine mind principle, then it all goes away because it's an illusion. What was her drug of choice? Morphine, I don't recommend that at all. Okay, unless you're having surgery and this doctor appointed. But anyway, that's what, it's crazy. It's, and that's really what she taught, right? And that's the basis of what they do. You've got to set your mind straight according to her teachings because all this other pain and stuff you're experiencing is an illusion, right? Now, she goes on. She says, since God's, according to her, essential essence is spirit or mind, and only that which reflects his nature is real, then matter doesn't really exist. So again, we know that Jesus took on flesh as God, right? And God is spirit, John 4. God the Father is spirit, right? And uh, then Jesus being fully God, fully man, right? But she wants to say that God can only be uh, spirit. And the Bible does say that God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But basically, she's trying to use that aspect. And she's trying to say, well, therefore, that means that's not a part of God. And therefore, uh, it can't be real. It's an illusion. Which, again, is a misunderstanding of the Godhood and certainly the Trinity. Now, let's go on. He says this. Since God's essential essence is spirit or mind, she says, only reflects his nature is real. That means matter doesn't really exist. Spirit is immortal. Truth, matter is mortal air. 
Spirit is the real and eternal. Matter is unreal and temporal. Did you catch that? Now let's back up. If you recall last time, and I highlighted this in my notebook. How did that? It said it reads Christian Science. It reads with the rhythm of pseudological statements that has the tendency to dull the senses when read long enough. Chrome translation. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what. It's like you just string along this stuff, and it sounds so intellect. Doesn't make sense. It's illogical, let alone unbiblical. And that's exactly what you have going on here. But I want to back up to this lie, one of the many lies, this misunderstandings on the nature of God that she teaches that's creeping into churches today. And that's that God is to be referred to not just as father, but father-mother. Because haven't you guys heard from secular psychology that all of us have a male side and a feminine side? Sorry, guys are guys, ladies are ladies. And so shall it always be because we're created in the image of God as male and female, right? But let's, let's expose that. Uh, is it biblical to refer to God as God the mother? I'll say that again. Is it biblical to refer to, yeah, yeah, thank you. Hello, it should be a little bit, absolutely not, no. God is consistently referred to as our heavenly father in scripture, never as heavenly mother, right? When you see those kind of terms, right, that the, the, the uh, goddess in heaven, who uses that term? Uh, Catholics use that term. Right? And it's also a pagan deity in the Old Testament that God says, get away from. So anyway, so that's a little side note there. Now listen, what these try to say, well, if you read the Bible, it says that God, you know, he has these motherly attributes, and somehow that's the justification as to why he needs to be referred to as God the mother. Excuse me, let's examine that, okay? Uh, there's a few places in the scripture where God does describe himself in motherly terms, right? Some things that like a, a mother would do, like tend or comfort or feed her children. Because we all know fathers never do that. If you're a real man, you would know. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, excuse me. Uh, there was that one time back in the late 80s I fed our daughter. <laughs> I come for her son three years ago when he was in the hospital. No, <laughs> no it, just because it's that aspect doesn't mean that it it's automatically can only refer to. It, it, it's crazy. Let's go on. There's about a dozen more verses where God speaks of gathering his children other, under his wings. Right? And, and covering with his feathers, and it said, well, that's something that a mother bird normally does, so therefore, he's, he's bringing out his mother's side. <laughs> Let's examine that. This is actually really interesting in the Hebrew there. Psalm 91, where it talks about that, God gathering, right? <clears throat> Psalm 91 uses masculine pronouns when even God uh, have, as a, a gathering uh, his children under his wings. It's masculine, not feminine. So nice try. Uh, some cite then, they'll keep going, Deuteronomy 32, and they compare God's actions to those as a mother eagle, quote, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft, okay? And so it's God, you know, talking about how he's gonna take care of his kids, right? I say, well, see, that's what eagles do, and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a mother eagle. There, there's the mothering aspect again. No. Notice the text does not refer to a mother eagle. It just says eagle. Just eagles, period, right? And it just so happens, guess what, that there are eagles are one of the species of birds where the father will also sit on the nest. So there's no inconsistency here, right? You're jumping to a faulty conclusion. You want it to say that because that's what you want to believe, but that's not what this scripture uh, teaches. Now, again, even if, granted, God does some things that a mother does, that's not logical to say that, therefore, he has to be referred to as God the mother. 
right? Because dads do that same thing as well. He's still father, just as a human father may do things that a mother normally does. He's still the father, hello. He doesn't obviously just turn into a mother. And ladies, I don't know if you notice this, that's why guys really fear doing the dishes. Because we know the moment that we squeeze out that bottle, is dish soap there, poof, we turn into a lady. And we, we just can't do it. Ain't no way I'm going to give that up. Let's just move on. All right, so God the Father is not a biblical term is what's going on there. Uh, God the Mother, uh, or God the Father is the biblical term. God the Mother is not. The idea of God as mother, okay, comes from guess where? The pressing issue, certainly paganism coming into the church, into our culture, but also from, guess where? Rhymes with feminism. Hey, that's right, feminism. You guys are on the ball. Yeah, feminism, hello. And that's where you got, they're pushing it, not just with the identity of God. They're pushing it with just male patriarchal authority, period. Whether it be women pastors and so-called prophetess this and that and females, they, you know, because that's not the biblical mandate. Right? But that's where a lot of this pressure uh, is coming from. God, in his own purposes, has designated men to be leaders in the home and the church, and he holds them responsible. Right? It's not some free will thing. They're going to give an account right? Uh, as they exercise that authority. And since God is the ultimate leader, and he chooses male to be leader, then guess how he refers to himself as the ultimate leader? In the male form as well, as father or king, not mother or queen. Okay, again, uh, and I like this, this guy said this, it's reported that a well-known Bible translator was approached by someone who felt that the translation he was working on should use feminine pronouns to refer to God. And the translator asked if the feminine pronouns should then therefore, to be consistent, be used to refer to the devil as well. And we should interpret this phrase as such, resist the devil and she will flee from you. (laughs) Quote, the rejoinder was not well received. <laughs> Think about it. If you're going to be consistent, do it all the way, right? Oh, yeah, you want to call God the mother, but you know, the, oh, the devil's got to be a male. You're not being consistent, right? Unfortunately, here's, here's the rub, right? I've heard this. People say, I've even had people say, and this is what you need to do when it comes to biblical counseling. You've got to stay away from all these father things and what, listen. Many people would testify that they have trouble with the concept of God as father because they associate them with their absent or abusive human fathers. And I get that. And you do need to be sensitive to that in counseling. I'm not uh, downgrading that. However, two wrongs don't make a right. Right? Listen. Then the solution then is to get to know the real God, the great God, the loving God, the father, the real one, as he really is. That's what they need to see. They need to know that not all fathers are like that. And our Heavenly Father would never treat you like that. And that's the good news. And even if your earthly father will never change, God the Father will love you as a true father always will. That's what they need to hear. Not some lie, not some substitute that God is a mother. That's completely unbiblical. Okay. Now, not only that, there's another, it's, it's been a, another wave of that is happening, this push for God being female, okay, is because once again it came out in a book, all right, uh, several years back, but now it's on as a movie, and that's the old shack attack, right, the old shack thing, right, and uh, that's caused quite a stir, once again, as it was when the book came out, uh, same thing's happening with the movie, it blows me away, I cannot believe this, right, you got churches doing studies based off of this, and this is full-blown new age, and one of the big problems right out of the gates, I don't know how you get around this, is they equate God as a Female, not once, but twice, 
right, amongst a uh, uh, messed up version of the Trinity and so on. Now, this came out just real quick because we've already talked about the Shack book when we dealt with the New Age, but since we're in this context and now it's out as a movie, I'm going to hit it again on this aspect, just like Christian science, father, mother, uh, baloney, false teaching, right? The Shack, if you don't know, is the story by a guy, William P. Young, William P. Young, and uh, here's the basis of it. This wasn't some guy that was, had some great theological treatise that he was going to help people in suffering. No, as he admitted, the shack is a story of a, quote, ugly place inside of him where everything awful was hidden away. The result of his personal history as a victim of sexual abuse, his own adultery, and the ensuing shame and pain all stuffed deep inside of his psyche. That's why he wrote the shack. And that's important because that tells you the impetus of why he provided this, right? And it also tells you why it's messed up. Because of his, he didn't go to the scripture, because of his experience, he's wanting to twist the scripture, and he did it in a creative way. And now people are getting an unbiblical view of God. Now, the background is important because it colors everything he does. Now, the story begins, if you're not familiar, I'm not going to give you a giant background. But basically, the story begins with a character called McKinsey or Mac. Okay, Mac Phillips, he was a father suffering from great pain, and according to this uh, uh, story, uh, it was the death of his young daughter at the hands of a serial killer, right? And so Mac receives this note from a papa, right, which turns out to be supposedly God, okay, part of God, part of the Trinity, right, to meet him at this rundown shack in the woods where the police had found evidence of his daughter's murder six years earlier. So that's the shack. That's the encounter setup. Well, this Mac guy, uh, who was also raised by a hypocritical, vicious, abusive father who's also a pastor. Well, gee, no wonder he wants to paint God as a mother not once but twice. Understand the guy's background. You're going to understand that why he did what he did. And people are getting a faulty view of God today. Right? So he goes in there. He's got this uh, uh, abusive, hypocritical, pastor father guy. right? And uh, this papa turns out to be God. They go to the shack. He's there. He's all angry. He's wanting to lash out to God for allowing his daughter to be killed. Instead, and instead of seeing God as the old man with a long white beard, he sees this papa. And papa, who's supposed to be God, is an African-American woman. Mistake number one, it is unbiblical to view God as a woman, period. It never occurs in the scripture. I just dealt with that. So that's mistake number one, but it goes even further. Then they introduce him to the rest of the Trinity who's supposed to be having this, and they're working out his issues in the shack. And the other Trinity character was a Chinese looking lady uh, Sarah, however you want to pronounce that, that's supposed to represent the Holy Spirit. Again, a what? Female. Strike number two. And then Jesus is supposed to be the third person in the Trinity. You think, well, what, how'd you mess that? Well, he's a Middle Eastern guy. So, so why is the Middle East guy is the, the Eastern mindset? Uh, it's just having dresses a Buddha guy or something. But that's how you pay. So the whole thing's all messed up. Right? And, and let's continue on. Then it goes on. And uh, he wants to say that God, what he's trying to do is that God is a God of love in Scripture. Now, that's true. But again, he's not telling the whole aspect of God's character. And this movie actually shows a denigration of the rest of God's character. Let me give you some examples. He ignores God's utter holiness. 
He ignores the ultimate, that God will be the ultimate final judge. And any any representation of God that shows only one side of his nature is wrong. Again, what's that? That's an idol. That is not the God of the Bible, right? You, you, got, you got the same thing. Jehovah's Witnesses do the same thing. Mormons do the same thing. We're seeing Christian science does the same thing. This movie does the same thing based on the book, okay, from this guy, right? Now listen, he says this. In an effort to counter the false view of God as the only, only the judging avenger of wrath, you, he goes to the other uh, aspect, Right, And he paints God as only a, a loving a parent who never judges sin. Is that true? No. So not only do you have God as f- mother multiple times, but now God doesn't judge sin. In fact, uh, let, me give you, let me give you, the shack actually leads the readers astray in the movie with regard to God's attitude. Papa, the female God, one of the female God characters, says, quote, <clears throat> this is supposed to be God. I don't need to punish people for sin. Sin is its own punishment, devouring from inside. It's not my purpose to punish it. What? So now you got God all wrong. Now you're cherry picking attributes and you want to do what the world does. God, how many times have you heard that one? My God is the God of love. He would never judge anybody. He would never create a hell. That's what this does. How could you say this is Christian? You got a false god, an idol, turns him into a female, not once but twice, and now you say he's not a a judge. Why did Jesus go to the cross then if God doesn't judge sin? And this is supposed to be a great movie, supposed to be a great book. What's going on here? To be sure, the Bible is clear, sin does carry its own punishment. So there there is that aspect. But guess what? God also is going to pour out his wrath on it. Why do you think the seven-year tribulation is coming? Because God is a God of love and he wouldn't judge sin. No, it's because of sin. Why do you think there's a hell? Because of sin. Why do you think we need to get saved now? Because you don't want to suffer the penalty of sin, namely going to hell forever. The only way of escape is through the cross of Jesus Christ. You undermine everything. You ultimately undermine even Jesus going to the cross if God doesn't judge sin. That's a serious error. God the Father does refer to himself in anthropomorphic terms, but it's always as the Father. The idea of making God a female literally inevitably leads to a goddess religion, and God becomes some sort of a fertility figure, okay, a, 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 to worship the creation instead of the creator. That's old-fashioned paganism. Gaia worship, Mother Earth worship. That's what all this stuff is leading to. certainly isn't from the Scripture, and on and on and on it goes, right? And then they, she, he's got a messed up version of the Trinity saying that the Trinity doesn't, there's no authority, submission, all this stuff. That's not true uh, according to the scripture. Uh, basically what he says is this. The shack wants to make God accessible to a hurting world, but its author also has a very low view of the scripture. So on top of all that, here's what he thinks about the Bible. He mocks anyone who holds that there is such a thing as correct doctrine. And what standard do we have? Then I guess we better accept Christian science and Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, everything. Well, that works great if you want to push for a one world religion with this woman that rides the beast. Well, a woman. Oh, interesting. All this push for father, mother, get rid of that. Yeah, get in that second. Some defend the shack. They say this, when you back them up to the wall, usually they go like this. Well, hey, it's just a book or it's just a movie. No, there's some responsibility there. Right? Because this is being pitched in churches. Christians, I, I won't name certain uh, ministries, but there's certain people in certain ministries that think this thing is great. Got a problem with it. 
If you're going to have a God uh, as a character of your fiction, you have to reveal him as he reveals himself in the scripture. Otherwise, all you accomplished was you portrayed an idol, a false teaching, right? More importantly, why does the author feel the need to change the character of God in this story, right? I mean, isn't he in essence saying that the way that God reveals himself in the Bible is insufficient? And that like apparently Joseph Smith and Charles Taze Russell and Judge Rutherford and the Watchtower Society and Mary Baker Eddy and Seventh-day Adventists, it's their duty to tell us how it really should be? Is, how is that any different? He just did it in a book and a movie. It's crazy, right? The author thinks he needs to improve the image of God to make it more palatable. But if God changed, then he wouldn't be God. What's an attribute of God? The immu immutability of God. He doesn't change. That's what that means. Jesus, I just read this in Hebrews. He's what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change, right? Now, listen to this. I like this. Again, this guy gives an analogy. He says, if a friend had a cold, abusive father, don't make God, the God of your story, into a warm, loving female to compensate. Show your friend what a true father is like using the example from scripture if your friend is hurting don't comfort him with soothing lies such as the shack does that god doesn't judge sin show him the god of all comfort found in the scripture the god who is willing to save him from that judgment by sending his own son that's what they need to see you want to make a difference you want to help people do that now um Real quick, I want to give you just how much this has crept in the church. We've dealt with it before, but this is how much this is in the church. And, and again, I want to show these quotes we've heard before. Mary Daly considers herself to be a Christian feminist. Now, that's an oxymoron, okay? And she said this about tr traditional Christianity. Quote, this is in the church. To put it bluntly, I propose that Christianity itself should be castrated. The primary focus of the Christian feminists is to bring an end to what they perceive as a male-dominated religion by castrating the male influence from the religion. Daly continued by saying, I am suggesting, I am suggesting that the idea of salvation uniquely by a male savior perpetuates the problem of patriarchal oppression. Check it out for yourself. Last time it wasn't that long ago. I was there. It's still there. If you think I'm making this up, her church, herchurch.org, I believe. It's out of San Francisco. Right, uh, they have as part of their uh, services the Christian Goddess Rosary. Well, that's just like a blend of Catholicism and paganism. Well, yeah, it all blends together, doesn't it? Okay, and they said, "quote The exclusive emphasis of God the Father supports a domination structure that oppresses and subordinates women." They also have and promote there, it was on their website last time I saw, the Hail Goddess Prayer. And it goes like this. Hail Goddess, full of grace, blessed are you, and blessed are the fruits of your womb, for you are the mother of us all. What's that sound like? Sounds like Catholicism, but they kind of did their own little twist on it, because God needs to be referred to as mother. This is supposed to be a Protestant church. Of course it's not, but that's what, how it's being pitched. I'll give you another one. Jan Clan, she's the author, God, a word for girls and boys, says masculine God language hinders many children from establishing relationships of trust with God. In addition, calling God, he causes boys to commit the sin of arrogance. Calling the supreme power of the universe, he causes girls to commit the sin of devaluing themselves. And for the sake of these little ones, we must change the way we talk about God. And this is some of the problem that I have with the political correctness and some of the newer versions uh, that are coming out. I don't like, uh, even myself, even if you, uh, in Word, when you're writing a document, they always want you to change it to humankind. No, it's mankind. 
right? And they always wanted to do that. Oh, by the way, uh, I had an instructor turn me on to this, you know, whatever. For, uh, it always wants to capitalize Satan. No, you ain't getting no capital. You're just getting a small S, buddy. All right? Anyway, whatever. So uh, don't get all hung up on that. But anyway, uh, but that's what's going on here uh, is, is they're wanting to get rid of that. And there are, as we talked about before, uh, certain Bible versions that I, I've uh, highlighted from the pulpit uh, that, uh, that calling Jesus she instead of Jesus is Judith, Judith the Christ. Remember that stuff? It's crazy what is going on nowadays. But this is that push. Now, again, guess who helps this? Christian science. This is the core of their nature of God, that God is father, mother. It's old-fashioned paganism as well, but th- this is rising because of feminism, but it's also coming from Christian science, and this is where it's going. Eastern religions have their yin-yang principle with the f- me, uh, male and female duality system. You've seen that there with the, the Tao and stuff uh, we dealt before. Hinduism has their worship of the goddess Shiva, Wicca, and witchcraft. They have their goddesses that they worship as well. Christian science, father, mother. Catholics have their worship of Mary. And, uh, and what's the Bible say in the last days? The one world religion is going to have a woman, a female figure riding the beast, the Antichrist, right? And so could it be that we're seeing this push with the help of Christian science amongst other entities, uh, even in so-called modern translations today of the Bible that are portraying God as a she, uh, this is what you would expect if in fact in the last days in the seven-year tribulation, the one world religion is going to have a female figure. It's all being set up before our very eyes. And Christian science uh, is at the forefront. Now, that's just the nature of God. Let's take a look at the third one. And that, of course, guess what? It all spills downhill. You not only get God wrong, you get God the Son wrong. You get Jesus Christ wrong. Shocker. Okay, now listen to what she does. You talk about denigrating uh, Jesus. It's just crazy. And again, how you could say this is Christian is beyond me. Remember what the guy said before in the quote? If she didn't pepper it with some Christianese, if nobody, if she took all the Christianese out of Christian science, (laughs) you would never even think about going that route because it's so anti-Christian, right? But here's what she says about Jesus. To the Christian scientist, Jesus is a, not the, the way, article, the, John 14, 6, the way, the truth, the life. He's what? He's a way shower. And see, what he's going to show us is he wasn't even the Messiah, she basically says. And not basically, she says. He's not the Messiah. He was able to tap into this divine mind principle. And that's how he was able to do what he did. Because everything else is an illusion. And he was able to tap into what was re- Yeah, here's what she said. He, Jesus, she said, is someone who epitomized the true principle, the Christ consciousness, which indwells all of us. Now, remember what Jesus warned about in Matthew 24? How do you, you know, how do you know it's getting close for his return? Watch out that no one deceives you. The first thing before wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, and pestilence. Watch out that many will come and say that I am the Christ. That is a phrase. I've been there, done that. When I came out of New Age, but before I got saved, that the Christ meant the Christ consciousness. That's how New Age takes it. That's how she takes it. And that we need to just tap into this Christ consciousness, this divine mind, and we can have these superpowers and all this stuff. That's what she believed Jesus did. He's not the Christ. He tapped into the Christ consciousness. And Jesus warned about Many people claiming that, Matthew 24. Therefore, Jesus did not really die on the cross. She said, no, no. He was not even God in the flesh. He made no atonement in shedding his blood. There's an essential difference between Jesus, the man, and the Christ principle, which came upon him as he comprehended it. You get it? So apparently he just got a correction in his mind. He was walking around someday, apparently. And he stumbled across, uh, and she must have rediscovered it in her time with Christian science. And Jesus, hey, I got, I got to correct my mind. Wow, I got all these powers. 
And that's what she has denigrated him to. And yet, you're supposed to be Christian science? What's the word Christian mean? Follower of Christ. You're not following Christ. You've completely denigrated him. You've denied Christ. Right? Let's go on. Here's what she said. The word Christ is not a proper synonym for, for synonyms for Jesus, though it is commonly used. Excuse me? What Bible are you reading? Oh, I'm sorry. You probably aren't. <laughs> Excuse me? The Christ. How many times does the Bible say Jesus is the Christ? Christos, anointed one in the, in the Greek. Mashiach, Messiah in the Hebrew. It, the Bible's all over the place. Jesus is the Christ. Right? As we saw before, that's not his last name. How many guys are, are you... Don't, if you ever make it on Jeopardy, don't say that. Don't say that. And, don't, and if you do say it, don't tell them you're from Sunrise Bible Church. Okay, just help us out. <laughs> As we saw before, that's a title. It's a messianic title. Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Mashiach, right? Okay, and as we saw before, his last name would have been Smith. No, who said that? Hey, Smith, what are you talking Who is his father? Right, it had been Bar, which means son of Joseph, right? So, Jesus Bar Joseph, like, like as in Barnabas, Barnabas, son of Nabus, Barnabas, right? So anyway, that's your little teaser for today, right? Anyway, so let's continue on. And recognize that Jesus, he says, is not God. What? And as Jesus himself declared, but he's just the son of God. But the son of God is a deity phrase. So is it true that Jesus did not declare himself to be God? How many false people, cults teach this? It's crazy. Let me just give you a quick reminder. Jesus made specific claims about himself that he was the Christ. He was God, right? He forgave sins. Only God can forgive sins. And that's why the Jewish people got mad at him. Because, hey, we don't want you. You don't have only God. Well, yeah, because he's God. That's why he said it, right? Uh, Jesus also is the one who will judge the living and the dead. Thomas cries out to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Paul calls Jesus our great God and Savior, right? Jesus existed, uh, uh, Paul talks about, prior to his incarnation uh, in the form of God. God the Father says regarding Jesus, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Hebrews 1. Uh, uh, Pastor Brian's been teaching on that for quite some time there in Hebrews. Uh, John states, in the beginning was the Word, okay, and the Word was God and, the, and who's, who's he talking about in the context? Jesus. He's God. And Over and over the scripture says that Jesus is God. Jesus gets names that are unique to God and God in specifically even in the Old Testament. He is called the Redeemer, which is an Old Testament term in God. He's called Emmanuel in the Old Testament, which means God with us, right? Uh, Jesus, again, his name is alongside in prayer. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If he wasn't God, that would be a blasphemous statement, but he is God, so it perfectly fits there as well. Uh, the name of Jesus is one of the names mentioned in whom we baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why would you just throw in some guy who's supposed to be just an average Joe in there? That's what Mormons do with Joseph Smith, Right? And that's why it's a false teaching. But Jesus is God. That's why it's in there, okay? And on and on and go. And Jesus proved it. Why? How did he prove that he was God? He raised the dead. He forgave sins. He creates the universe and sustains it. That's kind of a big job. Okay, uh, he possesses the attributes that only uh, God can, as we see in the scripture, eternality, omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence. He offered many proofs of this, uh, that he, again, with the miracles, turning water to wine, walking on water, multiplying physical objects, healing the blind, sick, raising the dead. He rose himself from the dead. Jesus, that's one of the biggest lies out there. Oh, Jesus never said he was God. <laughs> Turn off the drip. However, you're taking that morphine. I'm sorry, but give me a break, man. What, you're not reading the Bible. 
right? Now, the phrase son of God, as we saw before, I'm not going to go into it too much. Let me just give you one example. This is uh, uh, in Matthew, and it says the uh, Jewish leaders, the high priest, they demand of Jesus, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, Jesus says, it is as you say. But I say uh, to all of you, in the future, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, the uh, Jewish people accused him of blasphemy. They even go to Pontius Pilate in the context and say, we have a law, and based on what he said, he has to die. Why? Because he was claiming to be the Son of God, which she admits. But she says, well, that means that he's not... Uh, deity. No. In the context of that statement there, that's why they wanted to kill him. Because to be the son of God was to be God. That's why they wanted to kill him. Right? So again, that even falls short uh, of what she's saying. It's a warped view uh, shocker uh, of Jesus. Let's go on and say it. Uh, One sacrifice, however great, is insufficient, she says, to pay the debt of sin. Wow, you just removed the cross. Why did Jesus come? Hey guys, just want to hang on here for a few years. I'll see you later. I'm, I'll come back after a while. What? I, why, why are you in here? We're, I mean, it's wow. Okay, and uh, that he, and uh, uh, the atonement requires constant self-immolation on the sinner's part. So, in order to have our sins atoned, which is kind of goofy for her even to talk like this because she doesn't even believe sin is real. But so, so, so we got to work for it. What's the scripture say? It is by Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Hello. Uh, as we've seen many times before. You cannot earn it. There's no way. You are cut off. You are doomed straight to hell. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 9. The Romans road. We have all sinned. Myself included. We fall short. The wages of sin is death. I deserve. You deserve. We all deserve. Not a good bar. Where you're, I know you're starting to sing that song, Bobby. No, it, we deserve to go straight to hell, right? But that's why it's called grace. Why is it grace? What's grace mean? Unmerited favor. God gives us his blessing on those who are unworthy is what it means. You don't earn it because if you earn it, then it wouldn't be unmerited, which means it wouldn't be grace. Grace couldn't be grace. It's illogical. You cannot earn it over and over again. But that's what she says is basically she wants to say that you need to add uh, to that somehow. And it's just not the, the case. Grace is not God doing 95 or 99.9% with us making up the difference. Grace is God doing 100% and our humble acceptance of it, recognizing that we are unworthy and we got nothing to contribute. All right? And people, you know, all the time they say, you know, hey, me personally, if there's anything that uh, stands on the other side. You know, 1 Corinthians 3. You get judged. Anything, wood, hay, stubble, gold, which one is it going to be? The, it's going to be refined by fire. If anything stands, man, that was, the, that was the moment that the Spirit of God, God kicked in, so to speak. I yielded to the Spirit. It, that was the Spirit doing it. It wasn't me. If you want to talk about something I own, what do I own? I own sin. I'm responsible for sin. I'm responsible for all that smoke. All that wood struck, that was me. But if anything stands, why? Because God did it all. Now there's, there's hope in that. Well, that's why it's called grace. That's why salvation is called the good news. Not the, well, here's some news and boy, you better get cracking and make sure it happens and keeps it. No way. 
right? But let's go on. So she gets that wrong. She goes on. Listen to what she says. She says, The material blood of Jesus was no more efficacious to cleanse from sin when it was shed on the cursed tree than when it was flown in his veins as he daily went about his father's business. Wow. And somehow you're what kind of science? Christian science? The word Christian means follower of Christ. Whoa! We acknowledge Jesus' atonement, she says, as the evidence of divine efficacious love, unfolding man's unity with God through Christ Jesus, the way shower. Again, notice he is not the way, right? The truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by him, as the scripture teaches. He's just the way shower. He tapped into the divine mind, the Christ consciousness. That's how he was. Not so. Nature of man. That's the next one we're going to see real quick. She gets that wrong. Why? Because once you get the source of authority wrong, everything goes downhill. The nature of man. In Christian science, matter does not exist. Then I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just live in that drum cage, will you? But anyway, uh, I need all the help I get. Excuse me, matter doesn't exist. Uh, the body, is your blank there, the body is not real. And I will actually quote publicly what I wrote in my notes right here. You can look at it later. Praise God. Let's all go to the buffet. <laughs> Isn't that great? If this is true. Didn't know what Paul said? I, I need to buffet my body. <laughs> no, that's Buffett for those of you. And it's not Jimmy Buffett. That was a songwriter. Let's move on. <laughs> it's an illusion, she says, of the mortal mind of man. What? And man originally existed with God. Whoop. No, he was created. Right? Uh, and is the expression of the divine principle of God. So basically that would make us God. And we just need to get back to that, right? She goes on and says, An error of physical belief, a supposition that life, substance, and intelligence are in matter an illusion. Spirit is God and man in his image and likeness. Therefore man is not material, he is spiritual. All right, let me read that statement again. It reads with the rhythm of pseudo-logical statements that has the tendency to dull the senses when read long enough. What? you got to be kidding me. She goes on. She says, since only those ideas that reflect God's nature are actually real. Why do you know that? Right? I don't know if you guys know this. But I never met her. Praise God. No offense. I mean, I just never met her. But she wrote all this stuff down. And she used something called... A brain. How many of you guys can figure that out without any help? Turn to somebody and say, man, praise God, you got a brain. Right? Guess what? The last time I checked, brain is made up of matter. You know where I'm going. But she said matter is not real. So then how can I trust what your brain said that's made up of matter? Maybe it's not real. Exactly. Come on. Do you see the crazy circle that's been woven here? It's nuts. Stop and think about it, right? Shut the drip off. Whoo, man. Get a couple days to get out of your system. Detox. Do something because, well, this doesn't make sense. Wow. I'm supposed to trust your brain matter that matter's not real. Let's move on. Since only those ideas that reflect God's nature are actually real, then that means, again, she only cherry picks. Remember, God is not the God judge sin. and all That's all illusions. God's just love. Right? Then that means, she says, then sin, death, disease, and pain are not real. They're only illusions. To the Christian scientists, there's no what? Sin. Again, if there's no sin, then why is there a hell? Why does the Bible talk about hell? Why did Jesus come to the, die on the cross? What a waste of time, according to Christian science. It's crazy, right? Okay, and excuse me, there is no sin? 
What world are you living on? What planet are you on? What do you mean there's no sin? There's no death? The only reality of sin, sickness, and or death is the awful fact that unrealities seem real to human error and belief. They're not true because they're not of God. The cause of all so-called disease is mental, a mortal fear, a mistaken belief or conviction of the necessity and power of ill health. There is no sin, she says. The soul is sinless. Whoa! We read your history. You had them temper. <laughs> you weren't always nice them, right? You got married multiple times. You were a false teacher. You cohabitated with demons. I think there's sin. In fact, if we interviewed some people who did live with you, but they're probably dead too, sorry. Okay, <laughs> and I didn't meet them either. Okay, then guess what? No, you sinned. Give me a break, right? But that's what she said. There is no, if there's no sin, then why do we have courts of law? Why do people go to jail? Is that what you do when you get pulled over for breaking the speed limit? I'm sorry. Excuse me. Officer, you're an illusion. That ticket you're writing me right now is an illusion. Right? Oh, what's that? Oh, those handcuffs you're putting on me right now, that's an illusion too. Right? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, that noise I hear in the back of your seat of your car, that's an illusion of the divine mind. No, you're going to jail. <laughs> and that's the truth. Right? It's crazy. What do you mean there's no sin? The soul is sinless. Man is, listen, incapable of sin. Sickness and death. Wow. Thank you. We dealt with that before. Yeah. Last time I checked, you died. But that was an illusion. She actually lives right over there behind that plant. No, I don't know. Excuse me. Evil, she says, has no reality. And we shall uh, learn that sin and mortality are without actual origin or rightful existence. And since God and man are immortal spirit or mind, death is also only an illusion. It is the transition from the illusion of the material to the ultimate reality of immortal spirit. So, she says, when our friends pass from our sight and we lament... That uh, lamentation is needless and causeless. Wow, that's cruel. That's not only cruel, but folks, come on. This is, trying to sell this to people is about as lame as trying to sell them this product. Let's take a look at this. For a number of years now, work has been proceeding in order to bring perfection to the crudely conceived idea of a transmission that would not only supply inverse reactive current for use in unilateral phase detractors, but would also be capable of automatically synchronizing cardinal grammeters. Such an instrument is the turbo encabulator. Now basically, the only new principle involved is that instead of power being generated by the relative motion of conductors and fluxes, it is produced by the modial interaction of magneto-reluctance and capacitive directance. The original machine had a base plate of prefamulated amulite surmounted by a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fam. The latter consisted simply of six hydrocoptic marzal veins so fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The main winding was of the normal lotus o delta type placed in panendermic semi-boloid slots of the stator. 
every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremmy pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the Grammys. The turboencabulator has now reached a high level of development and it's being successfully used in the operation of Nofertrunians. Moreover, whenever a fluorescent score motion is required, it may also be employed in conjunction with a drawn reciprocation dingle arm to reduce sinusoidal repleneration. It's not cheap, but I'm sure the government will buy it. That's Christian science. That's exactly what's going on. Notice all the big phrase, and I'll say it one more time. What's that? It reads, let the rhythm of a pseudo-logical statement that has the tendency to dole the senses wouldn't read long enough. Unfortunately, people did buy it. And people still buy it today, uh, even though it's on the decline. It's crazy. All this mighty stuff and this, and it's not real. You might as well just go buy that turbo encabulator. Uh, and while you're at it, get involved in Christian science. I don't recommend either. All right, just a bunch of mindy mumbo-jumbo. Now, hey, next time we're going to finish it out, Lord willing. We're going to take a look at the fifth and final one. Why did they get it wrong? And as we're going to see, it has to do with salvation. Of course, you don't think you even need to get saved because sin's not even real. We'll get to that next time. As, uh, as well as, Lord willing, another example in Hollywood uh, that is going down this unfortunate route. Uh, as we saw before, Val Kilmer, he took this serious, and now it's affected his health, and it may be too late for him. Right? Because he didn't need to go to the doctor, according to Christian science. You just need to focus on that his cancer was just an illusion. Uh, and then we're going to finish out, Lord willing, with, all right, how do you reach these folks? What's the best way to reach out to a Christian scientist? Because it ain't Christian. It's not science. It's not even close. So it's our privileged duty to share the real Jesus with them without all the turbo encabulator language. <clears throat> well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let, let, let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says, You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven, that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. 
The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pulled the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You will be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extends to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow, may be too late. 
Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.